One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I'm Sadie Eck. And I am Courtney Eck. And we are still sisters. Yep. And tonight I am telling you the senseless murder of Molly Watson. I want to hear all about it. I'm going to tell you all about it. So Molly Watson was born on December 15th, 1982, and grew up in Monroe County, Missouri, which is a safe and idyllic rural farming community in Amish country. It's the part of the country Mark Twain wrote about to give you a better sense of the landscape. Mm. Molly was very close to her family and her older brother, Tim, and had a very average and happy upbringing. She went to school and received a bachelor's and master's in psychology and then got a job working in education. When she got older, she discovered YouTube and enjoyed posting weekly vlogs about her life and interests. She was very creative, loved reading and making costumes, and had a beautiful singing voice. Her friends said she had a real lucky streak and would always hit the buttons on the soda machines as she walked by and would consistently be rewarded with free sodas popping out. Oh, I love that. I want to do that. I don't ever think to do that. No. She just loved life and spent her time exploring all of the aspects of it she could. So Molly got married in her early 20s, but the marriage didn't last, and she later got divorced. She found out that she was pregnant with a child when she and her first husband were breaking up and had a son named Declan, who was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. She loved Declan, who was a very sweet and smart boy, and the two were basically inseparable when he was young. When Declan was a baby and Molly was still married, Molly reconnected with a woman named Amber, and they entered into a five-year relationship. Amber took on a large role in helping raise Declan, and they formed a little family. Molly then got a job as a correctional officer in the nearby prison and met a man named James Addy. Molly and Addy got very close, and eventually their friendship developed into something more romantic, and one day Amber caught the two of them together in a hotel. Oh no, so Addy wasn't an inmate in the prison. <laughs> oh, correct. No. Okay, he good. There. He worked there. Sorry. <laughs> okay. No, no, that's okay. Important clarifying point. Molly decided to leave Amber, started a serious relationship with Addy, and moved back in with her parents. Amber was devastated to lose the family she'd built with Molly, but Molly was completely head over heels for Addie, and they fell in love despite a 16-year age difference. Addie being 16 years older than Molly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Jim Addie also had a relatively normal childhood, enrolled in the Marine Corps when he was an adult and served in Desert Storm. After his time in the Marines, Addie got married four times, The fourth one stuck, worked as a mechanic, and had two children, a son and a daughter. 
He eventually got a job at a local prison and rose in the ranks to become a lieutenant, and that is where he met Molly. Molly and Addie had a very close relationship, had a strong mutual respect and admiration for each other, traveled together, and were generally just very happy. Seven years into their relationship, Molly told her family that Addie had proposed and the two were planning to get married. Molly's family said she was beside herself with happiness and the wedding was all she could talk about. Molly was planning a sort of a Disney Renaissance-themed wedding, and her colors were burgundy and gold. Stop it. Seriously cute. Please tell me she got to have her Renaissance Disney wedding. I don't want to break your heart, Sadie. It doesn't go well. God, it never does. Nope. Despite Molly being head over heels for Addie and anxious to marry the man of her dreams, it turned out that her family barely knew the man she'd been dating for seven years, to the point that her brother Tim didn't even know his last name when they got engaged. Oh, wow. Seven years. Yes. Yeah. Tim said that Addie would never look him in the eye, he never seemed to give straight answers to questions, and he, quote, put off bad vibes. Oh, no. Molly's aunt said that Addie was like a, quote, ghost that was just barely a part of their lives, but Molly insisted that she loved him and he was the one for her. Her family was so lukewarm about the relationship that even her own brother wasn't sure he was going to attend the wedding just a couple of days before it was scheduled to happen. Hmm. That's not good. No. And they never lived together. I get a sense that he wasn't around a ton, you know, not around like family events and things. Right. On April 25th, 2018, two days before the wedding was scheduled, Molly and Addie went down to the courthouse to get their marriage license. The county recorder said that Molly showed up first and was bubbly and happy, and he enjoyed talking to her while he helped her sort out the paperwork she needed to get married. He said James Addie walked in late, was visibly unhappy, and it was clear that, quote, this was not the place he wanted to be. (laughs) This is not a good way to start. No, uh... Molly immediately reached out to Addie to embrace him and try to cheer him up, but the recorder said that Addie was defensive and put off by some of the questions he was asking, like if he'd been married previously and how his marriages had ended. No. Addie told the recorder that his fourth marriage to Melanie Addie had ended in divorce six months before. So he had been married four times plus the marriage he was getting ready to... That would have been his fifth marriage. Oh, Okay. Yeah, when you said the fourth Molly. one stuck, I thought you meant with No, Mo- with Molly. Melanie. So when Addie met Molly, he was married to Melanie and Got remained it. married to Melanie until, according to Addie, six months before Got they it. were scheduled to get married. Correct. Okay. Got it. So around this time, Molly also started showing insecurity that Addie was getting cold feet and would text him things like, quote, Are you sure you still want to marry me with my anxiety? Addie was reassuring that he still very much wanted to marry her, but she was clearly sensing that he might have doubts. Oh, that's so, so sad. It's so sad. It's so sad. So around this time, Addie told Molly that his recent ex-wife and the mother of his teenage children, Melanie Addie, had been in a car accident over the holidays, had been on life support for a while, and had unfortunately succumbed to the injuries and died. Whoa. Why don't I believe him? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sadie. Yeah. Yeah. I've been here a couple times before. Yes, this is not our first time at the weird random ex-wife death rodeo so he it's we're in april and he was saying she got in an accident i don't know if he claimed that she'd been in the accident at the time he claimed she you know i don't know Mm -hmm. if in like december he said oh no melanie was in a terrible car accident and then she was on life support this whole time and then in april he told her but regardless in april molly was made aware that melanie had succumbed to injuries and died So the death caused even more stress during a very stressful time, but Molly and Addie were planning to move forward with the wedding on schedule. A couple of days before the wedding, Addie and Molly met their wedding planner at their venue to drop off some decor and go over last details, 
and the planner said that Addie was as shy and reserved as he usually was, and when she asked him if he was getting excited, his only comment was that Molly was driving him crazy. Leave Molly alone. alone. And he is so much, like, he reminds me very specifically of a couple of guys we went to high school with. He's such a Midwestern, like, his face, you know, he's very stoic looking Mm -hmm. he looks like every guy that just sort of like yep it should drive me crazy so it's not it would not be an unusual thing for a midwestern wedding planner to hear from an upcoming groom but it's still don't do that guys you know even if you're stoic just keep that shit to yourself seriously yeah no so on april 27th 2018 A man named Glenn was driving alongside a desolate one-lane back road at night to bring his daughter to his mother's house nearby. He said that he came upon a car facing toward him with their lights on and could see another car a little further down the road that was stopped to the right of the road. So one car with its lights on in the middle of the road, he came, you know, like face to face with that car and there was a car Mm -hmm. further back down the road that he could also see. He said his first instinct was that the car to the right of the road was stuck because they were sort of sliding back and forth without moving forward. He said that the car that was directly facing him in the road was a, quote, big grandma car that was being driven by an older white man who was on the shorter side. Glenn said he pulled up to the side of the car closest to him and rolled down his window to ask if someone was stuck. The man got out of his car and said, quote, I don't know where they're at. It's going to be a while. And Glenn took this to mean that he was going to have to take a different route because the car was indeed stuck. They don't know where they are. He doesn't know where they are. It's going to be yeah. a while. Yeah. Like, I don't know where this person is that like abandoned their car. It's basically saying you're not going to be able to get around us because the, the that car is stuck and we can't, you know, this is just not passable. It's a one lane dirt road mm-hmm. with like a creek area that you have to cross and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not, you just want to be fucking around. And like, if that person's stuck, you're probably going to get stuck. You know, he could have sure, also but been where referring... did the person go? Like, it's going to well, be he, a while. <laughs> he could have also been referring to tow truck. I, you know, it's a weird okay. statement, but yeah. Right. So Glenn assumes he can't pass. He's going to go a different direction. So he said he felt like something was off and told his brother and mother that he was going to go back through that area to make sure everything was okay. Unfortunately, everything was very much not okay. Good for him, Glenn. Well, it was like right away. He said he dropped off his daughter and he was like, you know what? That was bad. I'm going to, I'm just going to go check it out. And so immediately went back. I would have been like, that is bad. I'm never going back there ever again. That was weird. That guy was lying to me. Good luck to him. I hope that that car gets unstuck. Yeah. Yeah. When Glenn reached the area where he'd encountered the cars, he came upon a woman's body on the side of the road. She was deceased, wearing her pajamas, and appeared to have been shot once in the back of the head. Oh, no. That is Mm. not what you want to find. Nope. Police were called and confirmed that it was the body of Molly Watson. You'd think that he would, like, hide her better. A witness saw him there. He didn't. He just... Yeah, maybe he was just freaked out that it had happened so quickly. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Because I think Glenn it. was, like, immediately back on the scene. So I think that she was probably already dead when Glenn yeah. was there. And so he just fled. He just got out of there. Molly's purse, money, and other belongings were all accounted for, but her cell phone was nowhere to be found. The road Molly's body was found on was very remote, unpaved, and at one point it required crossing a shallow creek. The crossing over the creek is where Glenn said he saw the grandma car stopped when he was driving to his mother's house before he found Molly's body. Glenn relayed this information to the police, who found remarkably well-preserved tire tracks exactly where he reported seeing the car stopped. They found what looked like two letter O's pressed into the mud from the sidewall of a tire and assumed they were left by a Goodyear tire. Well, that's lucky. Yeah. Police also found a very clear tire print very close to Molly's body and took a cast of that print. Okay, so there were two cars there. 
Yes. And by the time Gladden got back, everybody was gone, but Molly's body was left behind. As far as I understand, yes. Mm, okay. Yeah. I don't think Molly's car was there anymore. Maybe it was. I don't... Nobody mentioned... I didn't see any mention of her car being there. But the other car was definitely... Grandma car was definitely gone. Okay. I'm just wondering, like, are we... Because if two cars were there, two people, like somebody else would have had to been there to drive her car away. Right. No. So we are not probably... Two cars. So probably okay. her car was still there, but it was just okay. inconsequential. Yeah. Good question, okay. though. Police immediately set out to determine why someone would have murdered Sweet Molly and were able to rule out robbery as her wallet was full of cash and she was still wearing her diamond engagement ring. During the investigation, a sheriff's deputy had gone to the sheriff's office to run an errand and took a shortcut on another back road to return to the scene of the crime. On the way, he passed a t-shirt lying in the road. The deputy had the good instinct to stop and pick up the shirt as he was close to the crime scene, and his instinct paid off. When investigators tested the shirt, they found gunshot residue as well as Molly's blood on it. Wow, look at all this good instinct business. So many instincts. Rural Missouri is the place to just zipping and zapping over there. (laughs) Get a free Coke. Get a... (laughs) Find the dead body. Get a piece of evidence. What is it? Caves? There's lots of caves in Missouri. Is it cave magic? There's like Ozarks. Ozarks. Ozarks (laughs) energies. Yeah. Tell us what else is in Missouri, everybody. Yeah. Why do you... Sadie and I visited our friend in San Miguel in Mexico, and I did not like it. I had a bad feeling the entire time I was there. It was very like not, not the place for me. And I was telling someone about it, and they were like, yeah, it's the crystals. I was like, excuse me? (laughs) They were like, yeah, San Miguel is built on a bedrock of crystals. And it's true. You can Google it. It is true. And I was like, so I'm just getting vibed. Like the crystals have sucked up the energy and they don't like me. and They're vibing me out. And they're like, yeah. Uh Yeah, because it's beautiful and the people are wonderful and everything is perfect. And I could not get out of there fast enough. I just had a bad, bad vibe. It was, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was not. Good instincts. My good instincts were get the fuck out of San Miguel. <laughs> so I did. Probably won't ever go back. It's wonderful. It really is like one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my life. And mm-hmm. nope. <laughs> Anybody here listening from San Miguel? Does anyone have any insight into that? Is that a common mm-hmm. occurrence? Is that something that happens? I'm not somebody who typically gets like skeeved out or scared ever. Like I spent a lot of time in big cities and stuff, but. No, thank you, San Miguel. <laughs> anyway, maybe Molly's town was built on a bedrock of crystals. <laughs> maybe. It's, is my point. So Molly's autopsy revealed that she had been killed by a single gunshot to the back of the head with a small caliber weapon and that the gun had been pressed against her head when the trigger was pulled. There was a bullet still lodged in Molly's head, but it was destroyed, so offered no clues to the exact weapon used to kill her. Investigators searched along the road where they had found the t-shirt, and they were also able to recover an ammunition box for a twenty-two caliber rifle. The night Molly was murdered, the responding officers had the horrible job of telling Molly's fiancé that his soon-to-be wife had been found dead. The place that Molly's body was found was almost exactly midway between her home and Addie's home, so they traveled to Addie's house to inform him of her murder. Police arrived around two in the morning, and James Addie answered the door in a bathrobe. The trooper entered Addie's home to tell him about Molly's murder, and a woman emerged and asked what he was doing there. The woman introduced herself as Melanie Addie, James Addie's wife. I know. Who James had claimed had died from complications from a car accident just a couple of weeks before. Mm -mm. She had been miraculously risen from the damn dead. And needless to say, everyone what James was like, W.T. heck. Seriously. Addie had to come clean to his wife and the police that Molly was his fiance and he'd been cheating on Melanie for the better part of seven years. Oh, so they never divorced. No, she was fine, fine, fine. Everything was fine. They were perfectly together. They were raising a family, business as usual. Wow. Yep. 
Okay. Melanie. Uh, red flag real quick. If you're dating somebody for seven years and you still don't live together. Or. And you're getting no, married. Yeah. Don't know their children. You've never met their children. I missed that detail. She'd never I met. Tell, his... I didn't tell you that detail. <laughs> God. Your your brother doesn't know his last name. Like no. Your family is all like, really? He's shifty and quiet and weird and doesn't want to spend time with us. Yeah. God, just give it up, man. Don't kill the girl. Give it well, up. Nope. He couldn't do that. That son of a bitch. That son of a bitch. Melanie claims she had no idea the affair had been going on when she was informed that her husband's fiance had also just been murdered. How do you, I mean, I get it. I get it that people can lie, but like seven yeah. years. Can you imagine? Yep. No. I, I, would, I would die. Like, I cannot imagine. No. Also, seven imagine being years. his wife and you're just, it's a Tuesday and you're dooby dooby doo or whatever. I guess it would have been like a Saturday. And the police show up and he's like, yeah, surprise. I've been cheating on you for seven years. We're planning to go to get married in two days. Jesus. And she's been found murdered. Cool. Are we cool? <laughs> I don't know what got into me. It was a one time for seven years thing. One time like, for seven. Well, I only have, I only proposed to her once. <laughs> yeah. Police questioned Addie right away, and he got so hot and uncomfortable during the interview that at one point he got up and put a box fan in the window so he could circulate cool air. God. (laughs) I mean, Midwesterners do run hot, and if it's like 40 degrees in April, they're wearing shorts, but still. Seriously. Pretty good indication that someone's uncomfortable. Yes. Addie claimed that he had gone to see a friend that night to pick up an avocado plant around 7 p.m. and had gotten home around 8.30 p.m. <laughs> that is the most random alibi I have ever heard in my life. Missouri, Missouri maybe is known for their avocado trees and we didn't know it. Maybe. Maybe that's part of the magic. No, I and his wife was like, she said she was just visibly frustrated. She was like, why are you leaving at 7 p.m.? A, why are you leaving to get an avocado plant from a friend? Can't you schedule that handoff for a more reasonable time? (laughs) Nope. Oh, God. He said that he had spoken to Molly earlier that night using a phone that his wife didn't know about and produced the phone to reveal a 22-minute phone call. They also saw that Addie had texted Molly after the time when she'd been killed asking her what she'd eaten for supper, telling her he loved her so much, and eventually texted, Night, night, sweetheart. I'll talk to you in the morning before he went to bed. Ah, these, like, pretend night, night texts. I just hate them. Case closed. Covered it up seamlessly. No one will ever know that you didn't know she was dead. You mastermind. Police were like, nice try, bub, and immediately arrested Addie and charged him with Molly's murder. Yes. Like, right away, which is Good. a little crazy, but also... No, uh, do it. You know? Like, they didn't They didn't say, like, oh, that's suspicious. They were like, you're coming with us, bro. Good. So Melanie Addie, James Addie's wife of 23 years, and the mother of his two children, was understandably devastated to learn that not only had her husband been cheating on her for seven years, he had asked the other woman to marry him and then potentially murdered her to cover up the affair. I just can't even do it. I can't imagine. No. She said they had the usual issues over the years, like arguments about money and that Addie had clashed with their son as he'd gotten older, but all in all, they had a very happy traditional life and marriage. She said she didn't sense the slightest change in Addie as he carried out the affair and that he covered up trips with Molly by claiming he needed to travel for business and even went so far as to print out an official-looking letter to back up his lies. <laughs> so he's like, here's my field trip slip <laughs> yeah, here's <laughs> from my the prison. Jesus. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, what what business are you attending to for your prison job? Well, and in Florida and also like Mexico, like they're going to prisoners comp prison conference no right it's not no i don't think that maybe i don't think so no so um another time molly and addy went to cancun and addy told melanie he'd gone with work friends 
She said that he was also scheduled to get off work at 3 p.m. every day, but sometimes didn't get home until around 5, which would result in an argument, but she never got a straight answer out of him. And again, like, he's a very stoic Midwestern dude. The police at one point, uh, he was, like, his family was like, yeah, he hangs out in the garage, like, all the time. You know, he just didn't, wasn't particularly engaged. I don't think he was, like, a bad husband or father, but... She was a stay-at-home mom, and he was just sort of like, let me do what I'm going to do. And she was like, okay. I just it's such a typical dynamic, mm-hmm. I think, in the Midwest. So she didn't, you know, she he had plenty of room to have do an affair with her. Exactly. She said that on the night Molly was murdered, he left the house around 7 p.m. saying he was going to a friend's house and didn't get back until after she was asleep. She said that she was in disbelief at first when police told her what was going on, but that she does believe that he could be capable of murder. She said that it sounds like a solution he would come up with to a problem because he's a, quote, pretty selfish person. Oh, God. Yep. Yeah. I saw an interview with her and she was like, yeah, yeah, I was not. Once it was brought to my attention, it didn't surprise me. Can you imagine? No. married to this guy and you're like... F. Like, I can't get, like, he's so selfish that it doesn't surprise me that when he murdered his girlfriend of seven years. Yeah. After betraying everyone for all this time and, like, weaving this web of lies that's so no. thick and distorted that he has to kill somebody to get out of it. Well, I also wonder, like, they worked together. Yeah. Right? How did yeah. the coworkers not talk? Like, somebody must have known he was married. Did he just keep it completely separate? I don't know. I mean, again, Sadie, think about, you know, not to just, like, blanket stereotype all of the Midwest, but I just feel like there's a boys will be boys sort of attitude in rural Midwestern communities that allow for men to sort of get away with things and other men to not tell on those things. You know what I mean? It's like... yeah. But I also think that mid the like it's a small town. People talk. Yeah, you know. He was so also if not he... like super charismatic though. I don't think he had a ton of friends. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I think it would be impossible to get away with anything for like seven minutes, let alone seven months, let alone <laughs> <No>. seven years. <laughs> no. But mm-hmm. I have no idea. Yeah, I think he probably just primarily kept to himself based on his dumb face and what his dumb face looks like. <laughs> Like this. Ooh. <laughs> and so Addie went to trial for the murder of Molly Watson in April of 2021. Glenn McSparren, the man who discovered Molly's body, didn't get a good look at the man who had been driving the, quote, grandma car he'd seen near the crime scene. But his description of the car did match the description of Addie's car. Mm-hmm. So the cast of the tire prints taken from the scene were a perfect match to the Goodyear tire on Addie's car. His defense argued, of course, that there is no scientific backing to prove conclusively that Addie had been at the scene of the crime based on the tire comparison. The prosecution also argued that they'd found a rifle in James Addie's house that had 22 caliber bullets in it that were consistent with the Thunderbolt type of bullets. They'd also found that empty box that I mentioned before near where the t-shirt was found. And that was also for Thunderbolt type bullets. And that was near the murder scene. But once again, this did nothing to prove that that had been the murder weapon or that Addie had been the one to use it. The prosecution was able to produce a crucial piece of evidence, however, when they used a cell site simulator to track down Molly's cell phone on the side of the road. Prosecutors were able to retrace Molly's steps the night she was murdered and found that Molly had driven from her home to the site where she was killed while she was on the phone with Addie that night. It was like exactly 23 minutes, like he had, or 22 minutes. Yeah, her house to where the where her body was found was exactly 22 minutes. The call started exactly no. like at the site. Yes, so the call started at 7 p.m., which is when Addie and his family said he left. And it was 22 minutes long. And it took exactly. They, they retraced it. And he just didn't think they would figure that out. Like, Well, he threw, he threw her phone away. Don't forget. He took right. her phone. And, but rather than throwing it into a body of water, where it would probably never be found, he just threw it on the side of the road. <laughs> and they found it. <laughs> like, 
uh, let's have a discussion about the, all of the other places you could throw a cell phone that would not be found. Like smash it, burn it, tar tar pit. Mm, that's all. Those are the only places. <laughs> like put it down a grate uh, on the sidewalk yes. in the yes. water pit. Whatever yeah. those are called, the sewer pipes. Dumpster it. Um, that's all. Those are the only places. Oh. No, they, I mean there's unlimited. But this dumb, lazy dude also just thinks that like two days before a wedding, they could just kill her, leave her on. The, you know, it's just like such a lazy crime. Such yeah. Well, yeah. Who else does? Who else is going to kill her but the man who's trying to mur- marry her with right. a wife of twenty three? Like, duh, dude, come on, yeah. man. Yep. It's only ever going to be you. Yeah. They also found evidence that Addie told Molly that his ex-wife's funeral was happening the day before their wedding. <laughs> oh my God. Uh... And prosecutors speculated that he told her the lie about Melanie's death in hopes that Molly would postpone the wedding and give him more time to figure out how to navigate all of his lies. I just cannot <laughs> imagine what... Like, how is this possible? Yeah. What is wrong with him? Well, and then, like, you're going to marry this woman. And then she's going to talk to your children. And your children are going to be like, no, mom is not dead. (laughs) Yeah, no. Of all of the people, like, I, like, uh -uh uh-uh. No. No. Why did you propose to her? Why is this just, God, just. Don't do it. Just be honest. Just be like, I love you, but I have a wife and like, this is just what's happening. If you're going to have an affair, whatever, just be as honest as you can be. You don't need to get engaged. You don't. I just. Yeah. It seems so possible to find someone you can be like, I'm a married person. And they'll be like, I don't care. And then you can have a seven year affair. And then that's it. It happens all the time for better or worse. It happens constantly. It does not need to end in engagement and then murder no so simple so simple you guys i don't know how like how i need to explain this but it's very simple doesn't have to be this way Mm -mm. correct correct so a forensic search of molly's phone showed that the day before her murder she had been looking online for melanie's obituary so she clearly Uh had some suspicions about whether addie was telling her the truth They then speculated that Molly confronted Addie about the lies, which forced Addie's hand, and he decided to murder Molly in an attempt to cover everything up. Investigators also found that on the night of the murder, James sent text messages from himself to himself that said, quote, have a meeting tonight at eight, normal place, you have to be there. And, quote, don't be a pussy again, let's go, man. What? As if he had been trying to psych himself oh, up. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. What? I'm not kidding you. Wow. It was clear from the timing of the call that Addie called Molly at around 7 p.m. And whatever he said prompted her to leave the house in her pajamas and slippers and drive the 22 minutes to meet him while they talked on the phone for exactly 22 minutes. Addie's phone then went silent for the next 30 minutes, which was exactly around the time Molly was murdered. Most damning of all, Addie's wife and daughter Emma decided to take the stand against him and testify for the prosecution. Good. Yeah. The only time Addie showed any emotion throughout the entire ordeal was when Emma took the stand against him. Emma testified that she had met Molly Watson previously when she needed help making a costume, so Addie put her in touch with Molly to get the costume made. Emma was otherwise completely unaware of the nature of their relationship. Uh She also said that on the night of the murder, she was still awake around 10 p.m., and that was around the time that Addie returned from picking up the avocado plant he claimed (laughs) that he had left at 7 p.m. to retrieve. Don't forget that he'd originally claimed he'd come home around 8.30 that night. Mm-hmm. The defense tried to claim that maybe Addie had actually gotten home at 8.30, but had stayed in the garage until 10, as he spent a lot of time in the garage around that time. So the real nail in the coffin for Addie was the t-shirt that the deputy had found on the side of the road that had Molly's blood as well as gunpowder residue on it. 
The reason the t-shirt was so significant was that it was a one-of-a-kind t-shirt that had been made by none other than Addie's daughter, Emma, for one of her classes. Are you kidding me? No. Nope. Emma had given it to her father to use as a rag when she was done using it for school, and that it had somehow shown up on the side of the road covered in Molly's blood and the gunpowder <laughs> oh expelled God. from the gun that was used to murder her. Oh, it's like a new la- layer. It's not just Marlboro pants now. It's yeah, it's like a, a one of a t-shirt. Kind. Yes, that her daughter, his daughter, specifically made for wow. a class project. The defense argued that Addie had simply given it to Molly and she'd had it on her the night that she was murdered. But then how did it end up? Like a half a mile the down road. the road on a completely no. different road covered in her blood and gunpowder residue. I don't think so. Mm-mm. Melanie Addie filed for divorce a couple of weeks after Addie was arrested and took the stand against him at trial. Addie had reported to the police that she had been wearing that he had been wearing boots and a pair of gym shorts when he'd left the house on the night Molly was murdered, but Melanie reported that he'd actually been wearing blue jeans, a black jacket, and boots. Police looked for the clothes Melanie claimed he'd been wearing and were never able to recover the jacket. Two inmates that had been in prison with Addie when he was awaiting trial testified that when they asked him why he was in prison, he replied, quote, I put someone face down in a ditch. Mm-hmm. The prosecution called 20 witnesses over three days, but the defense decided to call no one to the stand, including James Addy, when it was their turn. <laughs> Just not a single person. Not one person. <laughs> I don't blame them. This is a fairly common tactic as it's the state's burden to prove the defendant's guilt, but I don't personally know how well that translates to juries. You know, maybe I'm wrong. I, mean, I guess they can't judge what they don't know right you know but yeah yeah, i don't know i think like having a character witness like one would probably be a good idea right like right but like when your entire family has turned against you i don't think you have a lot of friends i can imagine that your friends aren't like super cool awesome sympathetic people like your teenage beautiful teenage daughter and your like broken-hearted ex-wife you know but Mm -hmm. i don't know i've if I was a defendant, I would want somebody to plead my case. And in all of the cases that I've heard, I mean, in a lot of the cases, not all, but a lot of the cases that I've heard that have people have been falsely accused and falsely imprisoned, it's usually when the defense just does just rests, doesn't do anything. I don't know. It just mm-hmm. creeps me out to think that that's a strategy. Just anyway. So closing arguments occurred on what would have been James and Molly's three-year anniversary And after a a two-and-a-half-hour deliberation, James Addy was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Good. Addy is requesting... Two-and-a-hour hours. Two-and-a-half hours. So this case, (laughs) we could talk a little bit more about it after the fact, but it's pretty circumstantial, Mm -hmm. you know? It's very circumstantial, actually. Like, there's a lot that lines up, but... I think he did it. I really, really, really do think he did it. But at the same time, I'm like, man, that was very swift. He, they must have had an amazing prosecutor. <laughs> you right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because when you think about it, there's no DNA. There's no, you know, there's no, there's no blood found in his car. There wasn't like, there wasn't anything kind of conclusively tying him. It just all sort of lined up perfectly. In, right. Anyway. So Addie is requesting a new trial and says that his attorney failed to present relevant evidence in his defense, including proof that someone had been stalking and threatening Molly. The prosecution claims there was no evidence presented at any point in the investigation that suggested these claims are true. So I saw a video of him talking to the judge and the judge was like, you know, what evidence? And he was like, Facebook posts. Oh, no. And you're like, <laughs> about what? Uh text messages anyway uh, i have to go see a picture of this guy i mean he's not, he, i mean he really looks like every guy that you've ever seen at the gas station in anywhere in the midwest you know yeah like, he's not he looks fine <laughs> right. look Nor- totally or normal creepy or whatever yeah just yeah. like boring kind of quiet <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> 
So Molly's brother said that Molly and their parents, who are also deceased, send him signs that she's still with them. No. With him. Recently, while he was at work, a garage door opened and a balloon floated right up to him that said, quote, we miss you. We love you. We will remember you forever. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> no. 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 That's mm-hmm. so sad and so sweet. Yep. And that is the story of the completely senseless murder of Molly Watson and the piece of shit that is James Addy. Oh, Molly. I know. That I very much think he did it, sucks. but it yeah. sucks. I mean, there's just nobody else who would have done it. No. 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 He claims someone else was stalking her or whatever. Like, they would have found that. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's, like, I don't want to get too riled up about it because, like I said, it's very circumstantial. But at the same time, he did it. Mm-hmm. The lies, the cover-up, all that shit. It's just The 22-minute phone call. Yeah, the 22-minute phone call, the t-shirt you know it's very compelling circumstantial evidence there's no doubt about it no doubt about it yeah that's crazy poor thing well dude thanks for bumming out the crowd you're welcome crowd Mm -hmm. sorry for that one but some people are just really not good or smart (laughs) (laughs) i saw some video and it was like don't say like all people suck, you know, this attitude that people suck, which, you know, is very easy to fall into. But he was like, no, mm-hmm. people are, people are traumatized. And so I was like, yeah, that's true. That is true. But as a result, I think sometimes they suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not like all people guy. suck. No, course, definitely like... not. I think more people don't suck than do suck. But right. This guy pretty much sucks. I think I other than... T- his children i don't think he's added a, like a ton to the earth <laughs> right you know? no you saw yeah. tiktok yep i sent it to you this morning about how what was it like 73 <laughs> percent of serial killers in the world come from the united states yes we, <laughs> we produce 70 percent of the how serial killers like, of the I just whole feel like world the, the u.s just has this amazing way to put all of this like abundance and yeah uh capitalism and uh misogyny and like yeah seriously uh, white supremacy and like how do we it's boredom uh, is it capitalism is it patriarchy entitlement is it yeah is it what is it leaded gasoline (laughs) yeah right i mean i'm sure we're not the oh and then the uk is next Right. Which is more surprising because they're not a very big country. Right. But they're also one of the more developed nations, one of the more wealthy nations. So mm-hmm. what is the correlation? I'm sure people have studied this. What is the correlation between wealth and people who like to kill lots and lots and lots of people? Mm-hmm. Is it because we have more time? We're well, we're well fed? <laughs> like right. What? Yeah. It's really yeah. weird. It's yeah. got to be environmental, though, right? It's got to be. Some, I mean, it's. I think it's lots of things, but yeah, it's yeah. just the country we have created. <laughs> also, <laughs> like, scientists who are listening have have the serial killers have slowed down, right? Like we have fewer ser- serial killers now. I think. Do we? Maybe. Or maybe. Maybe we're not. We would hear about them if we had as many. I think as that we did. murder has slowed down. Yeah. Some. And I think serial killers have too. I mean, name Israel Keys. Like, there's just you, right. There's not as many. There's a lot more like school shooters and spree killers, but not serial killers. So, like, is that a leaded gasoline thing? I don't know. You tell me, scientists. Right. Right. Too, or is too... it like they say that all of the serial killers are just in Juarez, unfortunately, where they can get away with it. Oh, fucking fuck. No. Damn it. Um, yeah, that story, Molly's story, reminded me of the whole time you're telling it. Our, we had somebody that we went to high school with who was mm-hmm. murdered last week yep. by her husband, supposedly, allegedly. Um, yep. And she had filed for a divorce and he <sighs> killed her. Just a reminder. So like, terrible. Yeah, just 
be careful if you're in a domestic violence situation and you're trying to get out. Yep. I just, ugh, makes me so sad. I know. And also, like, taking things seriously, I think, especially when you're you're younger, it's easy to feel like, what's the worst that can happen? And then you Mm -hmm. find yourself in a situation that's, like, mentally, emotionally, verbally, physically abusive, and a lot can happen. It's really bad. And I think we underestimate each other's actions sometimes. So, especially mm-hmm. when you're talking to your friends, if their boyfriend is not being nice to them, don't make excuses for the boyfriend. I've heard my friends do it a lot. It pisses me the fuck right off. <laughs> you know, and they're like, but he's mm-hmm. like adores her. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like nope. we all say things in the heat of the moment, but there's, I don't know, there's some behaviors that if somebody's picking on your your friend and they're supposed to love them tell them to fucking run it's no good yep, 100 percent. but they also that he just is the guy this guy who killed allegedly killed his wife it looks like a midwest guy just like every dude all yeah derpy and dumb yeah a normal fucking I, derpy. I hate it i hate it too um well you guys we're gonna save names and names we're gonna save all of the names for next time because (laughs) i've got a lot going on this week so uh we're gonna shorten this one up a tiny i mean it's still like a 45 50 minute long episode but we're gonna shorten it up a tiny bit so in the meantime it's also the end of the month if you want to get a shouty outy and you want to support us if you're new to this gang this hot, sexy sex gang. Um, <laughs> it's about to get weird, y'all. It's about to get weird. So if you want to support it, I want to support my sex gang. Um, no, there's no sex in this game, but there's lots of sexy in this gang. If you want to support this gang, uh, sign up for a Patreon. As little as $3 a month. We have damn near 100 episodes over yep. there. And they yep. are good. They are whole ass, full ass episodes. They do, we do That's not right. skimp on the content over on the yep. Patreon. I think we're going to start up in our tiers too once we hit a hundred episodes. Yep. You, those of you that have been supporting us this whole time or before mm-hmm. the the hundred epi- episode, um, you'll get in at the original prices, but then we'll probably up mm-hmm. the tiers a little bit because you're going to get a whole big bang for your buck. A hell of a lot of content for those dollar roonies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, some of those flips. Patreon episodes really are like excellent. <laughs> They're some I of know. my favorites. <laughs> I agree. In fact, yeah. one we're going to record another one right now, and it's my Patreon episode, and I'm really pumped about it. I can't stop telling everyone who comes in contact with me about it, whether they like it or not, which is a symptom of ADHD. Yep. I'm sorry, everyone in my life. <laughs> but it's yep. fascinating. It's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. So head yeah. on over head there. Over also. There. If you really want to be a Patreon supporter and you really are fucking broke, reach out to us. We'll figure something out. I want people to have access to the content. Absolutely. Um, if if they're poor. Poor people deserve nice things. I was poor until Absolutely. like six months ago. So come on over and tell me what you need, Let's baby. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's going to get weird. Get in yeah. before it gets too weird. <laughs> yeah. Sex gang. You never know what's going to happen in sex gang. Um, in the meantime, you can go to our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook, or our YouTube. You should come over to YouTube and see Sadie's foxy, foxy fucking face yeah. right now, you guys. I put on some fake lashes. You cannot, I'm I like, loving it. audibly gasp when she comes on the screen <laughs> these days. I'm like, who is this foxy yeah. lady, this leader of this sex gang? <laughs> Just taking a roll. Well, I was like, if we're going to have a sex gang, I better up my yeah. sex eyes. <laughs> I also was like Mission 10 minutes late to start <laughs> recording because yep. I stabbed my eye right in my eyeball with my mascara wand. Just like hard. Worth it. Ruined everything. <laughs> it's worth it. It's like going to the Korean spa. you got to suffer for this beauty. Sometimes you just got to stab yourself in the eye. Yeah, but you guys don't have to suffer for the beauty. You just go into YouTube and watch it. You don't have yeah. to suffer. I mean, unless you have an uncomfortable <laughs> office chair. That's on you. But that's up to you. <laughs> yeah. Can't help you with that. But the rest of it is easy. Just come on over. It's already there for you. It's free. And it's at they will kill. Just <laughs> go to our website. They will kill dot talking about. <laughs> uh, you can go to our sex gang headquarters. <laughs> they will kill dot com. You can go you can email us at they will kill podcast at gmail dot com. Yeah. 
rate, review, subscribe. That's also how you can get into the sex gang is by giving us a nice review. Then you're in. And Would you please title it Sex Gang? If anyone's waiting to write uh, a review, yes. please put the subject line Sex Gang. Do it. Leave us a review. You. If uh, the first person to do that, I'm going to send you something cool. <laughs> For real. Send it Sex Gang. First five people. Let's do that. First five yeah. people who write a Sex Gang subject line review of our podcast, I will send you something in the mail put the review and then send us a message and i promise to god i will send you something <laughs> what i will send you i don't know it's gonna get weird mm-hmm. sex gang stuff yes thank you to the, the leader of our sex gang aj Bergans, for <sighs> our music motherfucker sexy ways <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's gonna sue us so hard yeah dare him uh, dare him and remember um i don't know most people are traumatized they don't suck yeah it is true it's true also listen oppressed that's what it was they're oppressed most people are oh yeah okay i get that yeah but still some people are not oppressed and are still total fucking assholes yeah uh yeah i had an experience uh i work at a little antique shop and a guy came in and i i don't usually get nervous around men uh but god he skeeved me out so hard and he was like normal looking and young and Uh really chatty though and i felt like he was trying to keep me distracted Uh and it was so bad that the desk that i sit at is in the corner i had to once he moved away where i could get up i got up and like dusted by the entrance so i could leave if he was gonna murder me Mm -hmm. he reached in his pocket to pay and i was like he's gonna stab me it was yeah it was so awful yeah and just a reminder, I don't know if if it was, but my instincts were screaming at me that he was up to no good. High um, alert. So listen to those. Yeah. Yeah. Punch, punch I almost right, just like right the left. Dick. Just <laughs> seriously. Reach across that deck, deck, and deck him. <laughs> I know. I really did. I almost just like went outside, went and sat in my car because I was so uncomfortable. Um, and I picture this like sweet dude with ADHD just <laughs> trying to make conversation. And then he bought an eight dollar really old postcard, um, yeah. just being like, "Well, I want. I'll just leave the money on the." She left. I don't know she... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Ooh, sir." He probably, probably just had pockets full of crystals, and it really skeezed me out. <laughs> so I'm telling you, back sisters. Get bad vibes up there. not it's not true i have them all over my damn house like yes. everywhere my no. desk my bedside <laughs> love crystals crystals love me just right. not san miguelian crystals <laughs> i don't know yeah. i didn't do it yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. thanks so much for listening we love you we'll see we you, love you guys goodbye goodbye Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.